The Athletic. So the treble is very much on for Manchester City after they swept aside Real Madrid to reach the final of the Champions League in what Pep Guardiola described as one of their best ever performances. But does their brilliance get the respect and adulation across Europe in the same way we've seen with other great sides? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. Do you feel like you are doing something incredibly special this season? We have done a really incredible special. Of course, we have to win the titles, but we have done it. So we cannot forget we are one game away to win three Premier in a row. Mm-hmm. And we have been two final of the Champions League and one semi-final of the Champions League in the last years. So there's no team in the world can do that. You must be very proud tonight. You cannot imagine. But not just the players, our organisation, seen our chairman owner until the last person, so how we work with a good purpose and the commitment and everything. So the belief that we have is amazing. Joining us for this one are The Athletic's Jack Pitbrook and also our Manchester football writer Mark Critchley, who was at the Etihad to witness that win for City against Real Madrid. I mean, that that was one of the... I know Guardiola was saying one of their best ever performances. That I would argue that was one of the great European performances from any team. Absolutely. I think um, it's up there with just about anything we've seen. English team, European team. Just the scale of the domination. And it was it was outright destruction in the end. I've, you know, I've spent six seasons covering City. They've been the best most imposing, at times the most dominant team across Europe in that time, I think, consistently. But that was the best, most imposing and most dominant performance that I've seen from right up there. And you're right, Pep, Pep was asked where it ranks. He said it's the highest throughout his career in everything that he's achieved. And I think quite rightly, he said that it's all the more remarkable because of the opponent they were up against as well. There was a lot of talk last night going into the game, but saying, well, yeah, but it's Real Madrid, you know, everything that happened last year everything that's happened since 1956 and their first European Cup win, the reputation they've built over those years, the reputation that they've built over the past few years of just being inevitable in this competition, that was all in play. But I think that when you have a result and a performance like City did last night, when you come up against a team with that aura and you, quite frankly, I don't know, you, you mould them in the way that City did last night, that's a truly special performance and a truly special night. Jack, you obviously write on Tottenham, but you are a City fan. So how are you feeling this morning I can't remember anything else quite like that last night I um I certainly feel like it was the best that City have played uh since I've been watching them and also I think as as Guardiola suggested the best they've played in the you know in the Abu Dhabi era you know there's a bit of a feeling at the moment that basically 15 years and billions of pounds have all been building up towards this like what they're seeing right now uh even in this what Guardiola's been there since 2016 and it all feels like it's coming it's coming to a bit of a climax and I'm sure that's how people will judge it if they um if they do successfully complete the treble for which they've obviously got to close out the Premier League and then beat Manchester United in the FA Cup final and enter in the, in the Champions League final but yeah I, I completely agree with 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 Mark, I don't think I've ever seen anything like last night. It felt like City were, it felt a little bit like City were playing against a team who just got promoted into the Premier League, but obviously with a much better atmosphere and much more intensity than there would normally be in that game. But in the sense that they did what Guardiola's Barcelona used to do, which is render the opposition completely irrelevant. 
Like it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter that it was Real Madrid. It could have been Real Madrid or Coventry City or anyone on the receiving end yesterday, and it wouldn't have mattered at all because the Real Madrid players had absolutely no agency in the game at all. And that's what you know. That's when you know you're watching a quite exceptional team. And it's never something that I thought would happen to Real Madrid. And actually, Jack, I think that was the the perfect storm last night. It it did feel different there last night because it wasn't a lower half Premier League team coming where the fans would just sit there and go, come on then, entertainers, score five or six. There was a greater intensity in the stands. And I actually think that provided a greater intensity on the pitch. I mean, all the possession that they had was not for the sake of having possession. They created chance after chance after... I mean, Real Madrid were properly on the rack. This is kind of speculative, but I wonder a little bit whether... The fact that it was Real Madrid... I mean, Real Madrid is really the only team who City can probably create this kind of atmosphere against because it's the only team where City doesn't feel... You know, where City might feel a little bit like the underdog. When you've spent that much money over 15 years and you've won as much as City have won, there are very, very few few teams against whom you can have any kind of inferiority complex. But the one thing they can have an inferiority complex is the Champions League, because they've obviously never won it. Real Madrid have won it, what, five times in the last nine years or something? If you look at the Premier League, City have beaten Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea so many times recently that those don't those games don't have quite the same edge anymore. Whereas maybe this is the only one where the fans could generate that kind of um, that kind of atmosphere. The atmosphere at the Etihad is often a talking point. It's something that Pep brings up himself on his own accord as well at times, which sometimes puts City's fans' backs up. And there's also the whole relationship with the with the Champions League itself. People will have heard the booing of the anthem last night, which has obviously been going on for a, almost a decade now. Everybody's aware of how they feel about UEFA and 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 that animosity that's that's within certain sections of the fan base but I've been writing about this this week and speaking to City fans about it trying to gauge where it's at in the year 2023 what you'll find is that whatever they feel about UEFA whatever they feel about everything that's happened off the pitch over the last few years they want to win this competition the words of one guy who organizes the um, bus welcoming where they let off all the flares as, as Pep and his players come in um, one one guy was telling me this week that you'll be able to tell that we want to win the Champions League by the atmosphere on Wednesday night, and I think that was absolutely, you know, absolutely proved. I agree with Jack. I think that this competition, whether they're playing Real Madrid, whether it's because they haven't won it before, whether it's because of the certain what they've what they've come up against off the pitch, what the, what they might believe other clubs think and what other clubs want to achieve, that brings out a siege mentality that is there for everybody to see at the stadium last night. So it doesn't surprise me. And, and also, like this was a moment that they didn't have two years ago when they beat PSG to reach the final. That was behind closed doors. I remember after that game going outside and there was a collection of fans that were waiting for the for the players to come out and greet them and do a similar kind of bus welcoming except from when they were leaving. And it just felt like that moment was something that had been pent up and that the stadium was waiting for last night. And yeah, you saw it there for all to see. We've spoken to all of our uh, writers across Europe about how City's success has been perceived on the continent. So uh, we've spoken to writers that cover clubs, basically the superpower clubs in Spain and France and Germany. And we will start with Italy. Ciao, ciao tutti. This is James Horncastle, City Act correspondent. Well, I'm leafing through Gazzetta della Sport this morning. Front page says Frightening City, and I think that is a sentiment shared by most people in Italy uh, today. 
certainly the performance against Real Madrid. I think whenever you beat Real Madrid by a big scoreline, it sends shockwaves throughout Europe. I mean, that is something Italy can relate to. You go back to 1989 and Arrigo Sacchi's AC Milan beating Real Madrid 5-0. That felt like it was a team that was changing football history. Maybe City uh, can do that uh, as well under Pep. Fabio Capello, the former AC Milan and Real Madrid coach, was on Sky Italia last night and he was saying that this is a team that dreams are made of. And <laughs> the panel on Sky Italia were going through, yeah, is there a flaw in this team? Because Capello said there isn't. Costa Curta said maybe there is one, but it's only one. And Chiellini said, yeah, okay, maybe you can catch them on the counter-attack, but you've got to be able to counter-attack in the first place. And that's really, really difficult. I think it was quite interesting also being at the second leg of Inter against Milan on Tuesday because Javier Zanetti, the vice president of Inter, was talking and he was saying that the team he wanted to avoid was Real Madrid because of their football heritage, because of Carlo Ancelotti, his past with AC Milan, but also his winning history in the Champions League. And I think that does still matter. I think in mainland Europe, City you know, are not considered a club with the kind of legacy that the likes of Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Juventus, AC Milan and Inter have because those teams were winning European Cups in the 1960s and you know as much as everyone in Manchester and everyone in England knows that City have their own history now a big club at this level they still feel quite new to it. I bumped into Beppe Bergami the former Inter captain um, at the airport uh, yesterday. I asked him if you know is the state wealth that City have, the backing that they have, is that a problem? Because the Premier League already makes three times more than Serie A clubs in TV revenue. It means that the 20th club in the Premier League already make, makes more than the top club in Serie A. And when you've got a state wealth club as well, that doesn't really need that TV revenue. Um, having that as well, it means it's very difficult to be competitive with them. And Bergami said, look, relative to teams in Serie A, Every club spends more in England than we do. Yeah, Man United spend a lot, Liverpool spend a lot, Chelsea spend a lot. So the fact City spends a lot, okay, it does move the needle a bit, but it's already a lot that English clubs are spending. He said the problem with City is the coach, it's Pep Guardiola, because Pep is the best coach in the world. I think the one line that stands out there um, just on, on Manchester City, Mark, and, and maybe the only one weakness, which was according to Fabio Capello, is that you can catch them on the counter-attack. But I look back to the game at the Etihad and Real Madrid couldn't even hit them on the counter-attack, really. They had one chance with Vinicius Jr. and Carl Walker made up 10 yards and won the ball off him to a cheer that was as loud as the goal. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly how I described it in the live blog last night because... You saw that moment in slow motion as, as Vinicius is going through and Walker's just behind him. Then he's just there and he takes it off his toes like it's the most casual thing in the world. You've got to remember, I think people still think of City as this great attacking side and they absolutely are. The kind of consequence of that, what they think is that, well, you can hit them on the break. But this is what Guardiola's been working on for years now. That since really the year that they 
they didn't win the Premier League title which, <laughs> when, the, when Liverpool got ahead of them. I remember that season, they were conceding a lot of goals on the break. They were very vulnerable to that. He was trying to build and trying to work out different ways in which they could prevent that. And sometimes it's been a bit of a tension within City's tactics, really. It's something that hasn't always meant that they play their most expressive football. But this season, you look at this change in system that we've seen since... Uh, well, since about February, the start of this unbeaten run, 23 games. You've got John Stones moving into midfield to give more security. You've got five attacking players pushing up. You've got a, a defence that is basically all built like huge centre-halves who are winning every second ball, every first ball. I think one thing that was really noticeable about Madrid last night was that whenever they had the chance to count, they would pump a, big, a long ball upfield. But one of City's centre-halves would win the duel, win the aerial to, to win the ball back. And if they didn't, Rodri would be there to pick it up. There's no way through them. Um, it's been built like that and Pep spends every hour of every day trying to figure out how to control those weaknesses. And that's really been the story of how they've turned what was looking like a little bit of an indifferent season around uh, in in the winter and how they've gone on this run and now they're on the verge of a treble. The point was also made for, from James Horncastle there about um, AC Milan beating Real Madrid 5-0 back in 1989 under... Arrigo Saki and any time that you beat Real Madrid by a big score in in Europe it will send shockwaves through the continent but it, it it's actually it's just part of a wider story that isn't it of the goals they have scored against big teams or so-called big teams top six plus European teams as well this season I mean Leipzig have had a decent season in the Bundesliga they've they conceded seven to City City have put Six past Manchester United. They put four past Arsenal. They put four past Chelsea in the cup, Jack, didn't they? I mean, you know, they have... I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of others that they've put past teams that I've, that I've forgotten about. But, you know, it's not just minnows that they're whacking. They're whacking the biggest of teams. Yeah, and that's what I think gives this... makes it feel so ominous for everyone else, isn't it? It's that they have achieve this amazing level of superiority to the extent that they can render even games against their apparent rivals and that's I think is in part why you start getting so many questions about competitive balance and are City just are City too much better than everyone else have they been too much are they too and also they're they too consistent like even in the past you know you'd have obviously you'd have team, someone's got to win the league every year and someone's got sometimes teams will, will win the league consecutively but even um, you know, even when Manchester United won three consecutive titles in the late nineties, early two thousands, they didn't, they weren't racking up the kind of points totals and goals totals that Manchester City are now, and that I think is why some people start to wonder: if, are they just a bit? Are they a bit? Are they so good? Are they too good that it, it becomes a bit unhealthy for the competition? Uh, let's move on to Paris next. Hi, this is Peter Rutzler, Paris Saint-Germain writer for The Athletic. I think the reaction here to last night's result and the way in which Manchester City dismantled Real Madrid is seen with a great deal of awe and respect in a football sense. Um, But I also think for Paris Saint-Germain fans, there is a sense of of what if. These are two state-backed clubs coveting the same trophy, both wanting to disrupt the old guard, the traditional clubs and have invested immense sums in order to do so. And, you know, that's led to similar problems in terms of financial fair play and then also questions about 
where the finance and, and the nature of the financing and why why those states are doing so. You know, but on the field, you know, Manchester City are on a different level. Their project has been more clinical. I think PSG we've seen as more frivolous, more glitz, more big names. And to an extent, you know, that's helped them in terms of elevating their brand and you know their marketing success. You know, they have disrupted the traditional clubs, at least in terms of international recognition, but certainly not in a sporting sense, which City look like they are now on the verge of doing and achieving that through the Champions League. Um, speaking to, to Bernard Lammer, the former Paris Saint-Germain goalkeeper, he highlighted that City have coupled on-field success with the economic. You know, they've done both. You know, he called the City Football Group and their network of clubs across the globe. He said that's revolutionary. And yet they also have the sporting foundations that are solid, built around Pep Guardiola's ideas and philosophy, so evident last night in the, in the sort of super team that they've built, but also means it will outlast him. There's foundations there which PSG just don't have. You know, they've had change, turnover, whether that be managers or, or players, and there's no football identity. So that was Peter Rutzler there. The, the massive difference here... The, is and, and Bernard Lamar said it as uh, as Peter says in his piece here, Mark. Manchester City have the foundations. Yes, they have the coach, but they have the foundations. Foundations that will last them after Guardiola has gone. And Paris Saint Germain haven't gone down that route. No, well, I think look, it's not really a secret, and I think it's something that's relevant to both sides of Manchester at the minute. But if we're comparing PSG and City, one is run in a uh, in a demonstrably superior way to the other. Um, one is an organisation that um, has put everything in place for success, that has hired the best, signed the best, built the best system possible in order to achieve that. And the other, I mean, people have different opinions, but the the most uncharitable way to describe it would be a vanity project, wouldn't it? Uh, and a collection of stars who... who don't uh, amount to the sum of their parts. It's evidence of the fact that really there are no guarantees, even if you are one of these clubs that is backed by state wealth, sovereign wealth, however we want to describe them. Nothing, you can you can still mess up in one way or another. And like I say, that is something that <laughs> I think both sides of uh, Manchester have to be aware of at the minute, given everything that's going on in the red half. Wealth comes up a lot here in when we go to Spain and go to Germany. We'll start with Spain, see if you can spot the difference in the feeling between Barcelona and Madrid. Hey guys, it's Dermot Corrigan here, Spanish football correspondent with The Athletic uh, here in Madrid, where the reaction to last night's game is disappointment, obviously. Um, everybody, uh, nobody's disputing the result. Madrid were, were clearly outplayed. About how City's success is perceived here, well, at the very top in Real Madrid, there's always a lot of, of complaints about how City are run. And Madrid see that it's impossible for them to really compete with City and PSG and now maybe Newcastle, the state-run clubs, you know, that's a lot of the motivation or the, the public motivation anyway for the Super League is to to try and be able to, to compete on level playing field. They don't think they can pay the wages or the transfer fees that, that those clubs can do. The other thing about it is that it's Pep, so that's going to make it extra painful for, for the people in Madrid. Losing to Pep is painful and that might provoke Madrid into reacting in ways that we cannot predict. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how it works out.
It's Paul Ballus here, FC Barcelona correspondent for The Athletic, and I'm reporting from possibly the second most happy city in Europe after what happened last night. Pep Guardiola's Manchester City outplaying and outclassing Real Madrid has been seen as sort of a relief for every Barcelona fan um, that this after celebrating their first La Liga title in four years, they see now how their biggest rivals are kicked out from their comfort zone, the Champions League, and they are dragged towards an unsuccessful season now. There's a huge feeling of admiration and nostalgia from Barcelona looking to the football machine that Pep Guardiola has assembled in Manchester. That's possibly the closest representation that there's ever been um, to the Barcelona side of Messi, Xavi and Iniesta and Pep Guardiola himself. Manchester City, in footballing terms, is miles away of Barcelona right now and while inside the club they remain in the Super League project, in a big part as a way to find new ways out and solutions to a choking financial crisis. They know that City is not just miles away from them, it's miles away from almost everyone in football. Possibly most of Europe wonders how to level the quality that this city side have, but in Barcelona they have bigger problems to solve in the short term, and for now the club and the city decided to celebrate last night's result. So Barcelona having the biggest party since earlier this week when they celebrated their title after City beat Real Madrid. I'm going to go to Germany as well and then we can just deal with with the wealth aspect, which not only comes from the club, but from the league that Manchester City operate in as well. Here's the reaction from Germany. Hello, Raphael Honigstein here from Cologne in Germany, where I'll be watching Leverkusen play Roma later on. Anyway, last night, Manchester City destroyed Real Madrid in the semi-final. As Süddeutsche Zeitung called it a drowning. Uh, Real Madrid drowned or were drowned in a sea of passes. And that kind of implies already that brutality that is sometimes associated with this team. Uh, they uh, kill you in a way that is not necessarily easy on the eye because of the perfection and the uh, calculated nature of their football. At least that is a perception in Germany at times. There's also, of course, the uh, factor of money, which in Germany is always um, being seen as something quite suspicious, um, potentially negative, especially when funds are not organically created as the Bundesliga model would stipulate for. Uh, with the combination of Guardiola's style and slightly yeah, strange behavior at times, I think City aren't necessarily the most popular of teams for neutrals, but at the same time, no one can doubt their quality and that they are indeed, as Süddeutsche and others have said, the best team in the world at the moment. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This will be the key here, Jack, won't it, going forward, particularly if City win it. And we've done numerous podcasts on this. It's People will talk about FFP and some clubs will do that more than others. But the common theme across all of these leagues in Europe is the worry about the Premier League wealth. Yeah, so clearly all the clubs in, all the big clubs especially in 
the on, on the continent are are worried about the Premier League wealth. Um, this was one of the big drivers for the Super League attempt in 2021. Was because you know we saw. I mean, as it happens, he's going to stay at, at Barcelona. But we saw this the other day with Mathieu Alemani, who nearly left Barcelona to go and run Aston Villa, which is obviously you know says quite a lot about the the financial imbalance between. England and everywhere else. City's different, isn't it? Because it's City's both Premier League. I mean, it's both a, a beneficiary of the wealth of the Premier League, while also being a beneficiary of the mineral wealth of the UAE. You know, some of the issues with City are distinct to City. Some of them are distinct to England. If you look at, I mean, PSG is actually, which we were talking about a second ago, is interesting in the sense that you can have mineral wealth. But if you don't have, if you're not in the Premier League, it's kind of a bit harder because you're not really like a day in, day out football club. You just, you're only, the only thing that you can be is this sort of strange traveling circus, which is what PSG have managed to to turn themselves into. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I'm being, that's being a little bit reductive. Like, I don't think that the reason why PSG are like they are is solely because they're in Liga and not in the Premier League. Like, I think, you know, they have made strategic decisions to sign famous players and rather than, like, building up a solid football club. If you kind of take a step back and look at the overall strategy, the fact that Abu Dhabi bought a Premier League football club rather than a club anywhere else in Europe, which clearly they could have afforded, has really helped them because they've had, you know, they've had a a foot in the... or they've had a, a foothold in the biggest and most popular and most watched league anywhere in Europe, which has also given them a kind of, you know, probably a more competitive and robust football team than if they just... And it would have looked more like a vanity project if they'd done it somewhere else on the continent. Final thoughts, Mark? I think if you're one of these bigger clubs on the continent, then what you're starting to get a little bit concerned by on top of um, City's dominance, City's wealth, is, is how this is now kind of dripping down into the Champions League. I mean, we are still talking about a club here that hasn't won it yet, but um, I was slightly taken aback last night in the press conference when Pep just pointed out the obvious fact that it's now two Champions League finals in three years and there's a semi-final in between that. Um, I was like reading a few pieces on the game last night, this morning, and one of them pointed out that the last time that City lost a Champions League tie in 180 minutes was Tottenham in 2019. And that hit me as well as like, yeah, of course. But what we're seeing now is, yes, City haven't won it yet, this competition, but they've been there or thereabouts and in the realm of doing so for quite a while now, really. And it's taken either a spectacular collapse like we saw last season or or that Tottenham game, or it's taken a team that is genuine contenders to them, like Liverpool, to, to knock them out of it. So they've always been there and thereabouts. And as long as you maintain your position there for as long as possible you're going to ultimately win it at some point. If you're Barcelona, if you're Real Madrid, if you're Bayern and you're looking at that, you can see that once they've got one, they could build a dynasty. And I think that is what um, will only make discussions about the Super League and sovereign wealth and state-run clubs, etc., etc., all the more relevant and all the more apparent over the next few years. They just look different at the moment, the City, Jack, to me, finally. They, they just seem to have a different aura about them a different belief about them a different way I mean they look both relaxed and determined at the same time and I thought Jack Grealish's comment about they feel unstoppable was completely understandable I know Guardiola then tried to knock that down and go well every team is stoppable but I know what you know what Grealish was trying to say I mean they look in the absolutely purplest of purple patches 
that a team could be in. That's why it feels so so new, doesn't it? Even though City have been consistently really, really good, basically since the start of Guardiola's second season. So that's, um, you know, August 2017. City, I think, have been p- performing at an astonishingly high level, which is as borne out by the points totals that they've got in the league. But even then, it's not, you know, there have been a few ups and downs, but I don't, this, what we've seen in the last sort of six months, I think, doesn't really feel like part of that. It feels better than that. It feels, I mean, I know Mark was hinting at this earlier. It feels a bit like City have kind of squared that circle, isn't haven't they? Like, I, there's for so much of the Guardiola era, it's been this kind of pl- trade off between, you know, is it, is it control versus creativity versus expression? And, you know, you want to dominate the ball, but can you create chances? And I actually, I know, I thought they were pretty, you know, pretty good back when they didn't even have a centre forward and they had like Foden or De Bruyne up front but but the last six months the combination of first having Haaland up front then having you know pushing Stones into this midfield role I just feel like they have you know he it's kind of it's like he's completed the equation you know this is a team which has total control total physical unbelievable physical power they create lots of chances without compromising their control of the ball they've got a big centre forward up front but they're not easy to play a long ball against you know it's not like they've lost anything by having by having an old-fashioned number nine who doesn't press properly which of course was the case back when they had Sergio Aguero they have reached this kind of state of you know you don't want to for want of a better word perfection and that's what feels so new about it and so yeah it's not the kind of thing that you expect to see in from you know from sports teams and I guess it does it does show what you can do if you spend 15 years spending that much money thinking about it very strategically and ruthlessly you know who do we need to get in you know here's the manager we want to get in how do we get him in we get the people we've worked with before allow them to rebuild the club like literally you know as a clean slate um, to achieve so that the manager has the perfect platform for what he wants and then if you do all of that then I guess this is eventually where it ends up we will end the pod there thank you very much Mark thank you very much Jack subscribe to The Athletic now for a pound 99 a month for 12 months by going to theathletic.com slash football pod thanks for listening The Athletic <laughs>